Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your commodore of cocktails. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic December and uh, staying warm this January. Oh, we got some New Year's resolutions. I know I do. Um, I'm about trying new things in the world of wine, beer, and spirits, and cider, and uh, food, and cuisine. Like that's I need that resolution. That's what I do all the time. But uh, I'm actually going to try some new things. Uh, I had a couple public relations companies send me some products, which is, I guess, one of the perks of being here, although... <laughs> The magic opener was very, very disappointing. It was a big plastic uh, bottle opener with, you know, it said magic. I was wondering where the magic was. But um, this year, uh, I received a couple samples, and one is called Infusing. It's a party, which uh, actually P-A-R-T-E-A. It's party infusers, and they, they sent me a little ginger and a little jalapeno sachet, which uh, you can steep into your, well, any spirit that you like. I actually used rum. I'm a big rum fan, and I thought it would uh, turn out pretty tasty. So you put it in your your uh, bottle of rum, and uh, you pull it out after, uh, they say, a couple days um, or a day, and you just taste it. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's called Party, and uh, they got all sorts of flavors, but it, it's really fun. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that and make some cocktails. In addition, I've got a beer kit, so uh, it's a winter beer kit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start brewing beer. It's uh, I used to brew beer, and it was lots of fun, but of course, it's uh, also lots of calories because I like to I like to brew really big beers. <laughs> and uh, luckily, this is only a uh, two and a half gallon sample beer, and that way it'll be like um, I think about a case of beer. So I'm gonna check that out, and they've got all sorts of. Uh, uh, great aromatics in there, grains of paradise, and it's kind of the holiday beer deal. I've never been a big fan of the cinnamon nutmeg stuff, but uh, the Great Pumpkin Beer Fest uh, back in October really showed me that um, if you, it's all about balance, folks. If you can balance those flavors, it's all about uh, uh, making something that's not overpowering, unless you're into that, which is cool. Um, but I love uh, uh, something that's balanced, whether it's a sauce a soup, um, wine, of course, and spirits and cocktails. So that's my pledge. I'm going to uh, do some infusing and I'm going to brew some beer. And uh, coming up, I'll tell you about some books in the next few shows that I've received. Uh, I know in the holidays, it's it's difficult to remember some stuff and you're looking and, you know, sometimes you're on a budget. But now that we have a clear head and we're on our, our path to be healthier and happier, um, I'm going to share some of these cool books that I've received. Uh, one was uh, from Jamie Boudreau at Canon, his cocktail book, and that is really, really fun. Uh, today is, uh, well, it's a Saturday night in Seattle, and I hope uh, you are 
Well, still on your path to getting healthier and happier, but uh, maybe you've got something great in your glass. And uh, this new year promises another new vintage. Uh, 2016 was a a pretty spectacular vintage for Washington State, and I think everyone's excited about it. Of course, there's some barrel sample opportunities coming up in the spring, I believe, uh, in Woodinville and in Walla Walla. Um, And when we think about the the Washington wine industry, you know, it goes back hundreds of years, actually, well, you know, back in the 1800s, and we had uh, a lot of uh, French immigrants, and Italian immigrants um, populating east of the mountains and homesteading uh, and growing grapes. And up until Prohibition, everything was uh, cool and sweet and sticky. And then after Prohibition, there were just one or two people uh, making sacramental wine. Um, a lot of that went down to California, but uh, the, the wine industry was reinvigorated. Um, in the 1950s and 60s, because we had some some tax laws, and we started at the burgeoning industry, and the, the the palates of our consumers were changing from sweet wines to a little more dry and a little more complex wines, uh, something that uh, would pair well with food or just not so sweet. And California had the the market share of all these wines. Of course, my previous gig at the Rainer Club. I found an old wine list from 1909, and it had Chateau Margaux, and it had uh, um, some California wineries on there, Latour, Rochelle, of course, the French champagnes, and we had some California wines. It was pretty cool to see. Um, but I digress, because what I'm getting at is that uh, once the Associated Vintners came on board, uh, the uh, precursor to the Columbia Winery Group, and then Chateau Saint-Michel came on board, we actually had a, um, a burgeoning industry for uh, premium table wine. And as we grew and grew, and uh, s- slowly there was a, a bunch of wineries that got started, and some are still around. Some have, uh, well, changed hands and moved away or just sort of disappeared in, into history. Um, but Washington State has got a huge, um, well, a history, a lore of beer and bootlegging and, of course, wine. And the reason I talk about wine is because I love wine. I'm an advanced sommelier, of course. But uh, today, I have the pleasure of speaking with one of our, uh, I'm going to call him a forefather. That makes him sound old. Um, but really, he's one of our pioneers. That's a better word. He doesn't wear a coonskin cap, uh, but he did have the foresight and the uh, aptitude to um, help push forward some agendas that really paved the way for a commercial, a viable commercial wine industry. And uh, his name is Simon Siegel, and back in the early 80s, he was part of the Washington Wine Institute or Foundation. He's going to tell us all about it, but uh, he actually helped push legislation forward for what we call now the Washington Wine Commission. Actually, that's what they called it back then, too. Anyway, um, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, Simon Siegel, Happy New Year, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, I hope I I didn't cloud the the, the skies about uh, your um, history. So why don't we start with you? Um, Simon Siegel, are you a Seattleite, a Washingtonian? Where'd you come from? I'm... Long-time Seattleite. I was uh, born in Detroit, had 10 years in New York, and then came out here for junior high school and high school. Oh, fun. I was, I'm was i a Wisconsin guy, so, you know, Midwest. There we go. Yeah. You're a Detroit fan, then? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here in Seattle. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so how did you get into wine and spirits? Well, it was a change of career. I, I had been in a career in performing arts management. Uh, at the time, I was transitioning out of uh, being the general manager of Intamon Theater Company and looking for my next gig. And a friend of mine uh, in the community suggested there's this little trade association looking for a director. 
And we sat down and compared notes on what does a, a general manager of a theater company do and what does a, a director of a trade association do. And there were a lot of parallels. And I, I convinced the search committee of the board of the Washington Wine Institute that that was the case and I could help them out. And uh, they took me on for a six-month trial. It lasted 11 years. <laughs> and uh, during that time, the, the beginning period, uh, the board gave me a challenge of working with all of the stakeholders in the wine industry, the grape growing industry, in the legislative community, uh, distributors of wine, uh, to fashion a, a commodity commission model for the Washington wine industry. And this would give us a platform with secure funding that the industry was generating itself, but everybody would be contributing to it. And just a little tiny slice of money from the state government in the form of a, a tax allocation on the taxes they were already collecting. And uh, that funding allowed us to create a, a strong message about the quality of Washington wine, share it with the media, uh, not only in our region, but throughout the country and to educate the trade that do the buying and selling of the wines about the quality and uh, educate consumers. So we actually, this is the first face and voice of Washington wine, per se, from uh, a group perspective. Yes. Let's step back. Tell me about the Wine Institute and how that was formed and uh, who were the, well, who were the uh, principals involved with that early on? Uh, the Wine Institute was formed 82, 83, and it's a trade association. Its main function is lobbying uh, at the state level. And it has worked for all those years to uh, improve the business climate for Washington wine through legislative uh, modifications. And uh, as you were recounting... <laughs> they call it legislative modifications. I like that. That's very proactive. Well, at that time, we were working in a very... Uh, uh, negative environment, frankly. It was very much uh, an era... Syntax, of, huh? Very much uh, the outcomes of prohibition. And those laws hadn't been changed. There hadn't been a, a voice or a force to support the industry rather than constrict it. And that was one of the main reasons for the Washington Wine Institute to come into existence. Uh, again, we're talking a small industry at that time. There were When I joined in 1985, there were 30, 35 wineries. And it's a little different now. There were 40, because I have a poster in my basement from 1984 that ah. has 40 wineries on it. And that uh, I love that. And that's why I was saying some names have passed. And, yeah. of course, uh, there were some originals there. Hinserling, for, for instance, would yeah. be one of them. Um, and many more. So uh, who were some of the principals that had the foresight of creating this institute? Ooh, I would say the, the strongest voice and uh, progenitor was the Chateau Saint-Michel. They had a tremendous uh, investment in the state, and uh, they wanted the whole industry to grow. And Alan Shoup, who was then the uh, uh, CEO of St. Michelle, was a strong voice. But many small wineries were represented, too. Uh, Mount Baker Vineyards was a strong voice. Columbia Winery was a strong voice. Hogue Cellars. Uh, lots of folks, uh, some of whom, like you say, are still in business here, uh, were supporters to help build a better environment to do their business. Cool. You know, I just opened up over the holidays. I like to reach down at the cellar. I opened up a 2002 Mount Baker Vineyards Pinot Noir. How did it taste? <laughs> it, it was holding up well. It was really cool. Um, you know, it had some European flair, but uh, it, just to taste it, to know that I was alive was really fun. I mean, 2002 Pinot Noir from Washington State, Puget Sound, Appalachian. 
Hmm. Yeah, Mount Vega Vineyards. So they go way back. They do indeed. And uh, Alan Shoup, of course, uh, ha- was uh, really one of the, the main people who, who's who gone on past the uh, Chateau Saint-Michel. It started the auction of Washington wines. That, that was right? a project of the Wine Commission. Uh, when the commission first organized, uh, they put together a, a portion of their, their 12 members to do a business plan. And Alan and Mike Hogue and a few others sat down on a private meeting and came back to the commission with five recommendations of things we should focus on out of the gate. And one of them was to do a a charitable wine auction uh, for two purposes. One, to give back to charity. uh, And and the charity we chose was Children's Hospital, who's still a partner. Uh, The other reason was to show the broader community the ageability of Washington wines, aftermarket value. And uh, we did the first auction in 1988, still going strong. It did a $3 million weekend uh, this past auction in August. Yeah, it was a 3.2 or something. Wow, so impressive. That is, it, I can't <laughs> believe, I mean, thank goodness the market is booming, right? Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but some of the other uh, in- initiatives on that first business plan were to uh, work with the wine media throughout the country. And... That was a, a process of the education about the quality, and a lot of it involved putting samples in their mouths and uh, representing the wine. So I was going around the country and uh, often was able to take winery uh, owners with me or winemakers and tell the story of Washington wine, about the climate change when you cross the Cascades from Seattle and about the quality of uh, viticulture that we have here and the resulting wines. Uh, we also... Uh, worked a lot with the wine trade, uh, educating them, and with consumers directly by being involved in events that would give them the chance to taste the true quality of our wines. Fantastic. Well, um, that's a lot going on. And so the Washington Wine Institute, is this called? And now you have a foundation as well? Well, I should clarify. The Washington Wine Institute uh, is the trade association, and that still continues. The Washington Wine Commission engaged me uh, as the Washington Wine Commission's staff of one and a half. And uh, <laughs> we we launched and did the work, and the, the working relationship of one entity buying the time from another saved creating two whole infrastructures. So I was the executive director of both the Wine Commission and the Wine Institute, and I would just switch hats and bill accordingly. I like that. Um, speaking with Simon Siegel, who, as you just heard, was the one of the original, uh, well, the original commissioner for Washington State Wine, as well as the president uh, of the Washington Wine Institute. And uh, we're going to ch- talk more about the history of Washington State viticulture and enology and some great wines. And uh, what else is shaking up this uh, happy new year? So stick around, folks. Be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Happy New Year, and uh, it's Happy Hour Radio. We're uh, having a great conversation with Simon Siegel, who was the original Washington Wine Commissioner, uh, talking about uh, how the evolution, the inception, and the progenesis of this organization came about. So, Simon, we were talking about, um, well, 
the Wine Institute found Wine Institute, and then of course the Commission. You talked about traveling with some of the winemakers. Where did you go? Well, we would select major markets where there was uh, a small but important presence of Washington wine. A, a few wineries were in distribution in cities like Chicago, and certainly New York, Washington D.C., Denver, Houston, San Francisco, and uh, we would arrange for visits with the wine writers in those communities, and uh, the wineries would do presentations to the wine wholesalers and other trade members, the retailers and restaurateurs. Uh, we would do winemaker dinners where it was feasible to pull something together like that with a, a strong restaurant presence like Charlie Trotter's in Chicago. Uh, sad to see that one go. Uh, and uh, the mission was to spread the word about the quality of Washington wine. And uh, I think we were successful. It continued to grow each tour. And uh, the current Wine Commission staff is doing a very strong program of that right now and many more marketing activities and education activities. So that uh, plank of the business plan of the uh, first Washington Wine Commission efforts uh, turned out to be a very productive one. That's pretty cool. And to, also to, to know that those are some of the same markets that we continue to uh, to groom and, and sort of reap and sow and harvest uh, some of the, uh, well, the connections and, of course, you know, wa uh, wine, of all things. From the 80s, I think uh, beer was number one as most consumed beverage in the United States, mm -hmm. and now wine is the most yes, consumed beverage yeah. in the United States. So it's, I guess everything comes for a circle, hopefully, where people enjoy wine for the rest of the next hundred years. Uh, but it's, it's amazing to see the craft beer industry uh, step up, too. W were there, um, did you sort of model the Washington Wine Commission plan, uh, the template, after some other trade organizations? Or how did you pull in some of the principles to design this well, I think the commissioners uh, were looking at uh, activities out of California uh, and what worked there, uh, activities in Europe, in France especially, and what worked there, and uh, common sense. You know, we, we were starting at a l low level on the bar chart, <laughs> and anything we did to move the needle would be a, a, a positive thing. Not but, in terms of quality, but in terms of recognition, exactly. right? Which side of the Potomac? That was what we, we struggled with. That line is still accurate, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a, an ongoing challenge for the wine industry today in terms of uh, recognition for Washington wine as a great wine-producing state. You know, we, we understand the message. We're in the business. And I think there are, is a strong fan base in Washington state. But when you start traveling to these other markets, we're sharing the uh, attention span with all the other wine regions of the world that are trying to get to those Chicago citizens and the Washington D citizens and tell their story. So it's a lot more competitive out in the states. I know what we need. We need everybody in Washington State who loves wine. And next time you travel outside of the state, bring a bottle of Washington wine. It's very and effective. Share it, and uh, <laughs> I think once you taste it, you can believe it. Right? Tasting is believing. That's what uh, my motto was. It's just you know, let me. <laughs> Put a sample in your mouth, and you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, let, I'm curious about some of the wine pricing back then. Uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking that a premium bottle of wine was uh, in the eight to twelve dollar range. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there were some scary wines at, at lower prices. I still don't understand how it's done now. Things like two buck chuck at pricing at three ninety nine on the shelf. Yeah, they grow hundreds big of volume. thousands it's of big acres. Volumes, of, I understand. Ten but, tons an acre. But a cork costs so much and a bottle costs so much. Anyway. Uh, Widgets. 
the uh, <laughs> the pricing was you're right. Uh, I would guess between seven and twelve was a premium range, and you could get some very good wines for that. And into the uh, later. 80s, early 90s, it got up into the 20s. Uh, thanks thanks to uh, some California shard with some oak, right? Well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. And uh, I remember well when uh, DeLille Cellars opened, uh, I guess it was early 90s, perhaps late 80s, uh, their opening price was $25. I mean, that shocked the industry. So, Yes. Uh, that's the way to come out, you know. I, come out strong. That's right. It's a $100 bottle of rosé. What? No, <laughs> at least people will talk about you, right? Yeah, you and get attention. You promotion get attention. and publicity. Speaking with Simon Siegel, who's got a long history in, uh, in the state of Washington, uh, as our first Washington Wine Commissioner, how long were you the commissioner for Washington State? Well, I wasn't actually a commissioner. I was the director of the oh, commission. okay. The I people see. who were... Uh, making policy and approving what I should be doing were the commissioners. There were 12 oh. of them. But I started in that position in uh, 1987. 12, huh? It's like a disciple thing, I think. It's what the <laughs> legislation included. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I stayed with the Wine Commission and Washington Wine Institute until 1996. I was recruited away to go to the other Washington and be the director of a National Wine Trade Association. And that one was called uh, Wine America, and it is focused on legislation, but it's not just at the federal level. We also worked on state issues that affected the larger wine industry, and we worked on international trade issues that affected our members as well. So it was a very fascinating exposure to the the larger scale politics of Washington D.C. Wow, and you probably hit you obviously as a um, a veteran of the industry at that time. You said oh, it's about eleven years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you had a lot of knowledge and a lot of connectivity, so it makes sense they'd bring you over there and and learn how to wine and dine, lobby some fat cats. <laughs> <laughs> Our budget wasn't quite that big, but wine is a very popular item to lobby with because yeah. everybody has receptions and parties, and who's going to supply? Uh, samples and and uh, the beverage of choice for the re of reception. So I was a very popular guy in the lobbying community. I bet. Um, was Quilcita Creek uh, participating at any level back then? You bet. They were uh, kind of a, a small, sleepy winery producing the best Cabernets in the region uh, by far. And they are uh, still rather quiet about their business. I mean, you have to know about Quilcita Creek. And... Uh, appreciate it once you get that taste. But uh, they were uh, a strong participant and uh, very important in the uh, media and trade campaigns of the Washington Wine Commission because we could show uh, a linkage to uh, the quality of the Cabernet that Alex Galitzin was able to produce. Right, and they got some great acclaim as well as uh, Figgins and uh, Rick Small mm -hmm. and um, some of the Yakima producers, like I'm thinking about Gail Perrier. They've been around forever. They have indeed. They're long-timers, yeah. In fact, uh, Bonnier Winery was the first wine. Their Sunset Blush was in 1985. Uh, I tasted Sunset Blush, and of course I was underage, but I was like, hey, this is good. All right. That's like White Zinn, everybody, but uh, without the uh, um, you know the, 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 the snobby <laughs> connotations uh, of uh, being you know a gateway wine. But I always talk about it. You know, White Zinn is a gateway wine. If you, we all know sweet. It's an introductory wine. An introductory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next thing you know, you'll be uh, sell. Don't ever sell her a case of uh, White Zinn. Just you know, buy the. <laughs> 1.5 liter. Um, really cool. Who were some of the uh, um, 
uh, principles that are still around today. I mean, obviously, Alan Shoup's here. Uh, Alex Glitson is still here. His son, Paul, and Marv Crum and John Ware. They still produce wine up in uh, Snohomish. Mm-hmm. Um, Machayas. Machayas, is that it? <laughs> uh, but you mentioned some others, too. I mean, Rick Small, um, Gary Figgins. Uh, Rick is the longtime owner and winemaker for uh, Woodward Canyon. Gary Figgins with Lee and Eddie Seller. They were there in the late 70s. And still going strong, just powerful machines. Uh, the uh, Lake Cole started in '83, I think. Sounds right. And uh, Waterbrook in '84. Right after. Yep. Yeah. And both of those wineries learned from the first two. I mean, it's a very supportive <laughs> community, very collegial community yeah. in wine. So uh, we learn from each other, and then once you start selling. You have to do that yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, that is the most difficult challenge. Thus, the uh, uh, start of the origination of the Washington Wine Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, it has grown. What was your budget back then? The 90- I remember $75,000. And uh, that's one of the reasons I, I presented the concept to the commissioners that they shouldn't open up another office and use their precious dollars on an infrastructure when one already existed. And they bought that idea. But we, we used our money carefully and tried to get impact. Uh, the commission has grown tremendously as a result of more vineyards, more wineries, more wine sold. Uh, the revenue for the commission comes from an assessment that all grape growers must pay on every ton harvested, and all wineries must pay on every gallon sold. So as the industry grows and there are more vineyards and there are more wineries, and the ones that are here are growing, so does the budget of the wine commission. And when you're talking a million cases, you're buying a lot of grapes and you got a lot of gallons. So right. that makes sense. So some of our, our largest uh, um, we'll call sponsors of the Washington Wine Message happen to be Shadow San Michel and Columbia Crest. Of course, uh, Charles Smith and uh, Precept are some of the large ones. Mm-hmm. There's also um, another one that um, thinking about it's in the east. Uh, come to me. Um, but I have a great conversation with Simon Siegel, who is uh, the original executive director of the Washington Wine Commission. I wanted to call him commissioner. I should have called him captain, but uh, exactly <laughs> executive director. Uh, ED for short, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to chat more. Um, there's some great things happening east of the mountains. And of course, I'm sure our listeners have been to Yakima and Prosser and Tri-Cities and Walla Walla and Chelan and uh, uh, many more places. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, folks, that's me, and hope you're having a happy Saturday night. It's Happy Hour Radio right here in 570 KVI. Hey, if you ever miss a show, um, which uh, I know life happens, uh, be sure to visit the website because you can find all of our shows linked up there in SoundCloud. It's uh, happyhourradio.net. And if you have some ideas for some shows, some guests, or some great stories of wine, beer, spirits, cocktails, and more, uh, send me an email to ask at happyhourradio.net or just send me a tweet at happy H 
HR Radio, and uh, I'll tweet you back. Uh, Simon Siegel is here in studio, the original director of the Washington Wine Commission back in 1982, I think you said. 85. Oh, 1985. That's right. The Institute was founded in... Oh, I got it backwards. The Institute is 85, <laughs> and the Wine Commission is 87. Oh, Okay. So, Got one, it. one begot the other. That's right. All right. So, um, when we think about the, uh, well, the mission of the Washington Wine Commission, obviously, we're trying to build new markets and represent uh, the state in terms of quality um, and manage uh, growth and, and the new markets. Uh, I know that I was with the Wine Commission at Vin Expo in Hong Kong uh, this last May. Fantastic trip, huge trade show, internationally renowned, been going on for years and years and years. Uh, three floors of football field-sized uh, um, wine booths, and there was everybody. And then here was uh, our little state, Washington. It was so fun to be there because everything was you know, brand new and put together specifically for this giant uh, Vin Expo exposition. Um, it was funny to see people look at us like, oh... What? What? Yeah, we are one drop in the... Uh... This is the old Potomac River story. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, so the Wine Commission, of, of course, is, is a big sponsor of the Washington Wine uh, uh, Auction of Washington Wines, I should say, which takes place at the Chateau Saint-Michel in August. I think it's the 17th or the 19th or something. Anyway, third weekend. So uh, the Wine Institute has gone on to uh, continue their mission to... Uh, improve the business environment for Washington wine through legislative initiatives. All right. And, I, I, and that's still going on. <laughs> that's right. You know, and it's interesting, too, to, to know that there's the Washington Distillers Guild and the Washington Brewers Guild, and I think there's an, uh, a cider there is. association, Northwest Cider Association. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have they reached out to you at any, or reached out to any of these professionals before to sort oh, yeah, of get there's, them? Oh, yeah. There's good communication among those different beverage uh, commissions, and the current uh, executive director, I think his title has changed to president, uh, Steve, um, Stephen Stone. No, Chris Stone is the deputy. Oh no, Steve Warner for the Steve commission. Warner. Sorry, I'm sorry, I thought I lost you were that. thinking the Distillers Guild, which would be Stephen Stone. No, uh, Steve Warner is my successor after a few people in between, and he's doing a great job with the wine commission. Steve Burns and Robin Pollard. Yes, and there was one more you won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's uh, very active in reaching out to the other commodity commission groups uh, representing beverages, so they are talking to each other and, and getting the best situations uh, for better for all of them. Yeah, they work really hard. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously- a big schedule they run. You can't, you're not just drinking wine all the time, you're actually on the road. You're, you're flying and you're putting things together and always smiling and, and meeting the right people. Um, it is definitely a, uh, uh, it's it's a passionate job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Chris Stone's been there for I think his uh, twelve, fourteen, years, yeah, eleven years, and uh, Steve Warner's now in his fourth year, I believe. At least, yeah, yeah. maybe five. Uh, and they got a lot of cool things going on, doing uh, wine trips to Denmark and uh, pro wine in Germany. Yeah, you were mentioning your visit to Vin Expo uh, in Hong Kong. That that initiative was an interesting uh, history. Uh, the Wine Institute, Washington Wine Institute, was asked to create a better funding platform for those export promotion dollars because the Wine Commission doesn't lobby. Its legislation prohibits it from lobbying because it receives state funds. So the Wine Institute did the task of working with the federal government to get a line in what is called the uh, market access program funds. It's within the Department of Agriculture. 
and those funds allow for marketing and promotion activities. They can't be used for price alteration or, or direct discounts and things discounts. like that. Yeah. But you know, underwriting the admission fees for those big uh, trade expositions, like you're describing, uh, was established by the Wine Institute for the benefit of the Wine Commission, and it's going gangbusters now. I mean, they're they're all over the world. With it's expanding, things. yes, and I'm excited to host one of those international uh, symposiums Great. here in Seattle this July. Excellent. So, uh, the Washington Wine Institute, uh, obviously the lobbying arm and the legislative arm, um, but you now have something else that does what? Well, we have several other things. There's also a trade association for the wine grape growers. They've been very strong. WAG. WAG. <laughs> Washington Association of Wine and Grape Growers. And uh, another one that I'm involved with is called the Washington Wine Industry Foundation. And this is a nonprofit that's focused on strengthening the future of the Washington wine industry uh, through advancement of education, research, and leadership. And uh, we... Uh, receive grants from state and federal sources that help uh, our industry meet some of its challenges. Uh, some of the topics we've addressed are uh, sustainable practices, uh, integrated pest management, uh, maintaining clean plants uh, with the cooperation of the nurseries that are rootstock, pro- right? Propagating the rootstock. They yeah. got to be clean, or else you know <laughs> we're just digging our own graves. So we're very careful about that. But grants have also uh, helped us with risk management and cost of production calculators, handy things to have that nobody else is addressing. And over the 15 years or so, we've uh, received uh, over $2 million in grant monies that we then administer to who's ever best to uh, produce the results of that grant. And the Washington Wine Industry Foundation is made uh, comprised of... Um people within the industry? Is that a yes. sort of the three-tier industry? We have the retail, wholesale, and then the no, production? It's, or it's, it's more on grapes through wine and some related expertise. Uh, we have many growers. Um, it's a board of 12. We have a few growers, a few winemakers, but we have some other folks in the middle there that are involved in the industry, like um, folks who are in uh, production of special events, um, thinking of Jamie Piha right. and Piha Promotions. Uh, we have Stephanie Myers, who's an attorney with Stowell Reeves, who is a specialist in licensed beverage law. Um, Carol Monroe is the community uh, relations vice president for Chateau Saint-Michel. Past chair of the Auction of Washington Wines. Could be. Executive director, yeah, I remember. Uh, so with, with that network of contacts and uh, experience, we're able to help uh, identify what are the needs uh, that are not being met, and where can we get funds to address those needs? And that's how we operate. Another important function that the foundation does is uh, we uh, receive gifts and bequests in some cases to support scholarships for our future workforce to get the training they need to enter into the industry with the skills that we want. And over the last uh, 15 years, we've granted scholarships uh, $193,000 worth to over 50 students, and it's growing each year as our, our message gets out. And Great. And we're able to attract more funds. Well, and how, um, is there other ways that people can get involved with the foundation to sort of support these endeavors? Yes, indeed. Uh, it's coming up, actually, in January. Thank you for that, Lee. We, we sponsor a wine auction and party. February or January? February 8th. Good. <laughs> February 8th. February 8th, and it's going to take place. That's a weekday. It's a 
a challenge. It's a Wednesday night. Wednesday night. But we do it on a weekday because we're able to partner with our friends at the Grape Growers Association and take a, a free evening of their convention schedule. They host a, a very strong convention and educational seminar and trade show event. And we're nestled into that schedule where we're able to gather an audience of our industry. So uh, it's a great time for us. And <clears throat> in Individual consumers are certainly welcome to come. It's uh, a gala auction, right? It's not gala. It's more oh. more down home, <laughs> more more overall auction, right? Well, in between, <laughs> okay. in between. What's well, we a website? Have a, well, tell me a website so people can find some information. Uh, Washington Wine Foundation dot org. Okay, and uh, on that website, you'll see information about this uh, auction and party. It's a party. It is indeed. Is and it we, themed? Um, it? No, no. Not, it's just a general get-together and support the industry's effort to do these missions I was describing of uh, the, the scholarship pr programs and our, uh, managing our ability to get these grants. Do we, they bestow some scholarships at this event? Do they recognize some of the students or the applicants? Uh, yes, um, both at the Grape Growers Convention uh, and at our party, uh, there is recognition of the current recipients uh, who are in school at this moment with partial funds from the foundation. And I'm sure Washington State University and Walla Walla Community College and uh, South Seattle College, uh, Yakima Washington, River. Yakima. These are some of the institutions, uh, educational institutions, that provide um, a curriculum for uh, advancement in the fields of viticulture and enology. That's right. And uh, we're happy to support students going through those programs and have them come back into the industry better skilled. I love it. Speaking with Simon Siegel, the original executive director of the Washington Wine Commission, and uh, current ambassador, commissioner for the Washington Wine Foundation. Uh, there's a big party in uh, Kennewick, yes. Cross, Kennewick, February 8th. Hey, stick around, folks. We've got one more session, one more segment to uh, hang out, chat up, and uh, have a good time right here on 570 KVI. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks, that's me, and I hope you've got something uh, great on your New Year's resolutions list. It's uh, our fourth and final segment today, and I have the pleasure of uh, speaking of a man of history in Washington State, uh, the wine industry, is Simon Siegel, the original executive director for the Wine Commission. And uh, now he's um, helping young people mature into uh, uh, professionals in viticulture enology through some scholarships and uh, activities from the Washington Wine Foundation. There's a gala, well, a party auction uh, in Kennewick on February 8th, and you can find information at... Uh, WashingtonWineFoundation.org. All right. So um, I know I've w attended last year. Uh, it was it's a really fun time. It's in um, this cute little dome area. I forget what's that called, the Toyota Dome or something. Toyota Center <laughs> Toyota in Kennewick. <laughs> and uh, of course, there's uh, you want to meet people in the industry. You meet growers and uh, vineyard owners and. Uh, uh, winemakers, of course, and, and just sort of the who's who on the east side of the mountains. Uh, I know it's a weekday, um, but there's the prices for hotels are really, really reasonable, of course, uh, and you can probably use your uh, discounts, AAA or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I'm donating a case of wine from my cellar to the auction. What are some of the things that people might look forward to? Trips? And- oh, yeah. We've got a, quite a variety of things. Uh, we have a, a committee of our board that focuses on uh, procuring these items, and we get the help of the whole board and the industry. And uh, some amazing things have come up. A lot of wine in the case option, in the large format bottle option, uh, things that are hard to get at retail is our our main mission. But there's a lot of other activities and opportunities. Uh, Winemaker dinners are auctioned off, uh, travel opportunities. We've got two major cruises, uh, one on Holland America and one on Windstar. We've got a warm winter getaway package to Baja. I've been on both those cruise lines, and uh, they're both fantastic. And it's cool about Holland America. Their restaurant, Pinnacle Grill, is all Northwest-themed. Uh, well, we love that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's also some uh, experience opportunities. Uh, we have a helicopter flight over the vineyards uh, that lands at Millbrandt Wine Company and, and big grand tasting there. In the Waluk Slope. In the Waluk. Uh, we have uh, some special events. Uh, this 2017 is the 50th anniversary of Chateau Saint-Michel. Yes, it is. And they're putting together a substantial package of uh, exposure to uh, what they're doing to celebrate. Um, we have some superb baseball game tickets and a package in Seattle around that. Some Mariner tickets Mariners. or some Walla Walla Suites. <laughs> Mariners. Yes. Mariners, got it. This is our year, folks. And we have a basketball package because we're always starved for basketball in Washington State. I know. Over these Bring years. back the Yakima Sun Kings. Well, we're going to go down to Portland and see the Trailblazers and have a, a weekend uh, with restaurant and hotel thrown in. Oh, that's uh, fun. So that's up for auction. And um, we have uh, a great winemaker dinner with Brian Carter Sellers at Orfeo here in Seattle. So we try and find things in Seattle, greater Seattle area that are of interest to people in eastern Washington to come and do something different. And we have a lot of things in eastern Washington for auction that people on the west side might like. So It's we, like it. And uh, you still have room for some more donations? Uh, no, well, just about. Just uh, about, unless you got a Rolls Royce or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be really attention-getting, but we're closing donations on the 13th. Okay. And uh, that's also when the ticket price changes on uh, January 13th uh, for... Uh, admission uh, currently it's a hundred dollars. After the thirteenth, it goes up to hundred twenty-five. So if you want to act, you should act soon. Yeah, act soon. I like it. Washington Wine Industry Foundation and the dot org. No, Washington Washington Industry Foundation dot org. Either any of those will circulate. Back. I see. I got it's it. A lot Just of, Google it, right? A lot of names. The uh, search engine. Of, yes, yeah. and we have space at this party for four hundred, and uh, it should be a great, great evening. I like it. Um, well, Simon Seal, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I know that you continue to do great work for uh, our industry, and it's great that you live so close here in Seattle so you can pop on down on a Saturday night and hang out with me. Um, what did you drink on New Year's? I was drinking all different kinds of bubbly. Uh, no other still wines or anything. And I, I, <laughs> I just tried to mix it up as much as I could for our guests at dinner. Oh, that's fun. And did you cook? Um I shucked oysters. Ooh. My wife uh, cooked an uh, entree, and we had friends bring hors d'oeuvres and salad and dessert. Oh, fun. So it was a nice mix of That's great. cooks. Nobody had, nobody had a great burden. Oh, good. Well, I, I enjoyed a 2,000 uh, clodabets. 
Nice. Yeah, it, it was showing How beautifully. Was it was beautiful. <laughs> I was really impressed, even though the alcohol was like 39 back in 2000. But to, to have a wine after 16 years and just to taste like uh, really, it tasted like great Washington wine. It was mm-hmm. like, wow, it's still at verve and structure. Of course, nice ripe fruit. Uh, the label was cute because it was entirely different than what the current Betts labels look like. And then, of course, I had an 04 Quilcita Creek, which was also delicious, uh, and some champagne. Hey, folks, if you like wine, coming up January 26th is the Slow Wine Tour. It's the Italian Wine Festival over at Fisher Pavilion. Check it out, uh, slowwineus.com. I want to thank Simon Siegel. And uh, remember, folks, when you're out and about, life is always better with the designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!